Hi, I'm Amber Cook. Welcome to my podcast, The Dragonfly Connection. Join me every week for open, honest, and real conversations about courage, transformation, and resilience to inspire and empower you to live your best life. This podcast is sponsored by HealingWays.com, helping you on your wellness journey. Visit HealingWays, that's Healing, W-A-Z-E dot com to find verified wellness professionals and holistic health resources. My guest today says you live your life by either design or default, and I completely agree with her. In this episode, we start out by talking about my guest, Susan D. Lorenzo's Dark Night of the Soul, or Dark Nights, and how she used hers to help her live a more joy-filled, authentic life. And I believe you can do the same, whether you're currently in your dark night or already through it. Personally, I'm in one currently, as old, unhealed wounds that caused my CPTSD have come up to the surface. So re-listening to this episode to edit it was such a treat for me, and I think you're going to get a lot out of it too. Susan is an author, speaker, and certified transformational life coach who focuses on helping other women who are emerging from life-altering adversities themselves and guides them to evaluate the insights and wisdom that such times hold like living through a global pandemic. In our conversation, you'll hear about how after a year of fighting and surviving invasive breast cancer, Susan was dealt another life-altering blow immediately when her husband at the time told her he wanted to leave the marriage. Then she goes on to share some of the wisdoms she's gathered through this experience, along with a little bit about some other personal challenges she's overcome. And of course, with some great advice on how you can overcome your own challenges, big or small, and get in the driver's seat of your life. After listening, check out the show notes for Susan's contact info so you can stay connected to her and get notified about the release of her upcoming book, Pulling the Gems from Adversity. Enjoy. I have so many questions to ask you, Susan. Uh, Where to start? Thank you, first of all, for being here. Uh, Amber, it's great to be with you. Before we started, I I let you know how much I'm enjoying your show. Just the way we got connected, I'm always curious, well, let's see what else she's done. And uh, (laughs) I just think you're a natural. I love listening to your guests and to you. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Yeah, so we actually got connected on a a website that connects guests and podcasts and it's a really cool thing I'm loving it speaking of podcasts what are some of your favorite podcasts to listen to oh that is a great question you know I don't have one favorite I'd say I have types that are about personal growth spiritual growth um cooking i love to eat you know <laughs> i love to cook i love to be healthy too mm-hmm. i i part of my story as we get into it is that i was put on diets at age 12 and 13 and ended up with a old eating disorder that caused me to binge so i love the whole idea of like food recovery because you can recover from other forms of addiction right and yeah. never have to touch alcohol again but we can't do that with food so we really have you know a whole process to go around that to actually still love food enjoy food but not have an addiction to certain things so mm-hmm. um yeah i love those type of um anything that has to do with um awareness Mm, your awareness and then the enjoyment of life what's authentic to me versus to my next door neighbor you know that and that we all celebrate well what's your thing you know (laughs) and uh I, i do i enjoy that very much and that's you know why i love coaching and people 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it. And I had no idea. I, I never, I didn't find um, anything in your story about an eating disorder. This is something yeah, we in, could do a whole other podcast. Yeah, when we talk about <laughs> uh, the book, that'll come into the book I'm writing. Uh, okay. But yes, that is uh, a big reason that um, my self-esteem was in the toilet. Mm. And I made some weird choices that were in alignment with the level of my self-esteem. Yeah. And you can't outperform your self-esteem. You, you can only raise your self-esteem and get new results. So mm, yes. we can talk about that too. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I love what you said. Um, what you, you said food recovery. Cause that's, that's awesome that you can still love food because being yes. healthy and loving food can go hand in hand. They absolutely can. And it was yeah. just seeing what were the little buttons that were pushed in me versus the real desire that my body had for for good food and still loved flavor, you know, mm-hmm. so for sure. Well, congratulations on that. <laughs> it was history. a long time. It was 30, yeah, it was 30 years or more like that. So wow, um, it was the victory, the monkey off the back feeling. Yeah, mm-hmm. I bet. That's awesome. And where did you grow up? I grew up in the Midwest, mostly. I was born on the East Coast. My dad was in international business, which makes it sound like I just traveled the world. And um, I really didn't, other than Australia. That was really when I was really young. But otherwise, we were planted in three different states in the Midwest, Michigan, Illinois, and Wisconsin. Okay. While my dad traveled through Latin America most of his career, and uh, we were still just the, you know, we'd have people from Brazil and Mexico and Colombia in our home, but we were just planted right there <laughs> with this dad that, you know, so we'd meet awesome people, but are, you know, very limited in uh, sophistication of travel <laughs> right right well yeah like the diversity came to you the that's right the culture came to you you didn't have to go to it no and it was the greatest <laughs> gift I really did see the world as a global village you know that mm-hmm. phrase global village I never had a problem talking to anybody from with any accent with any color of skin it was just like what you did and that whole idea of what a great thing to get past especially in the 70s when i was a teenager and a little kid yeah wondering why there was you know racial problems mm-hmm. <laughs> and and not getting it and wondering um that was a really interesting I, what would you call that a conundrum like why yeah. uh-huh. I'm, I'm okay why aren't you okay <laughs> uh-huh. right right and yeah. I bet it was a little it was a little thicker in the midwest yes the yes divide. you know and I, yeah. I grew up uh the, the town I'm thinking of is Racine Wisconsin and it had a, a big industrial portion and during that travel from the south up into cities like Chicago so a lot of minorities moved to get the factory work and leave the farms of the south mm-hmm. uh, and so Racine was actually a big place for manufacturing especially of farm equipment so um, they did a lot of work that attracted minorities so the schools had almost like a 30 to 40 percent minority population and so we were in this big, what would you call it, the fishbowl experiment. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know we're way off track on what we're talking about, overcoming okay. adversity, but it's fun <laughs> to go everywhere, isn't it? I mean, it really is. Yeah. Really is a, that kind of a conversation. Uh-huh. So it was a school within a school, school, right? The social, the person to person, we all walked away with a lesson from that time and hopefully um, are using it in our lives today for good. 
Yes. And where do you live now? I live in Rhode Island, just outside of Providence. Okay, so you moved back to the East Coast. Yes, I've been on the East Coast for over 30 years now. I love it. You're near the ocean, you're near the mountains, you know, great variety, I would say. You Mm -hmm. you can get to a city, but it's just wonderful. Uh, the, The woods, the mountains, the ocean. Yeah, I've heard it's beautiful. Yeah, I moved a lot in my 20s, but when I got here in my late 20s, I'm like, I don't have to move anymore. This is good. (laughs) (laughs) Why'd you move a lot in your 20s? You know, I kept looking for something I wasn't Mm -hmm. finding. And I had jobs that would end and I'd be like, well, I think I'll move to California. (laughs) I was in Washington, D.C. I'd moved to California. Nice. uh, Moved to Germany. You know, I just kind of and what better time? Now, mm-hmm. You know, you're in your 20s. You don't have anything usually tying you down. Some yep. people get married early. I didn't. Yeah, I thought, okay. And then I was like, wow, am I ever going to pick a place and just live there? <laughs> you know, because it'd be like two years here, three years there. Mm-hmm. And finally, I was like, I got it. I'm going to stay here. Nice. So when did you move to where you're living right now? Uh, just three or four years ago. Okay, nice. Uh, where well, are you, yeah. I am in Portland, Oregon. Oh, wonderful. So, yeah. But I, lo- I love to move around. I've moved around quite a bit as well for various reasons. Right? It's fun it's for one. Connect. Like there's a, there's a whole world and country out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. New experiences, places to see and people to meet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In fact, um, I've mentioned this on lots of my podcasts and my listeners, I'm sorry you have to hear it again, <laughs> but there is a chance we are moving to the East Coast. We'll know within the next few months. Ah. Lower, lower down, like Virginia, North Carolina. Oh, that's beautiful. It is beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah, my folks used to live in Virginia for a while, and I loved it. Yes, I love that that part of the country. Well, let's just dive right in because, yeah. you know, we've, we've gone on all kinds of tangents Lots and of I would preliminaries love and, to keep yeah. doing that, but <laughs> we have some stuff, some juicy stuff we need to talk about. First, I want to start with one of your beliefs and the belief is, and I'm going to mm-hmm. kind of paraphrase your own words, our dark nights of the soul can be used to help us live a more joy-filled, authentic life. And we're going to spend a good chunk of this episode talking about your dark night. So let's start by helping my listeners, if you could, better understand what you mean by, by dark night of the soul. Yeah, it's life-altering adversity. Mm. It's not just, oh, what a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, for me, it was breast cancer, mm-hmm. invasive. And uh, a year of surgeries, treatments, uh, chemo, radiation, the usual thing you mm-hmm. hear people have. And then growing a little bit of hair on my head. And then I would say at that time, it was just about five months out of treatment. My mate let me know that he no longer wanted to be married. Yeah. And it really was the one-two punch. I really was already feeling like I was on a positive trajectory. I'd gotten a cancer-free uh, report at the end there that, no, we got all the cancer. You don't have, you know, you're good. And I had this new zest for life. I was going to take better care of myself. I was going to put myself first. You know, I had all these things. I'm going to have fun in my life. You know, I had, you know, somebody who's handed their life back has a few ideas. Yeah. And then... I thought, oh, I'll work on my marriage, too. We'll have an even better marriage. So I bring this up, and he's nodding his head as if he understands. And as he keeps nodding, he says, actually, I think I need to live alone. And I was like, huh? (laughs) That wasn't what I was expecting. Kind of walk us through a little bit 
um, maybe deeper some things that were happening during your treatment to your recovery before your husband yes. <laughs> decided to leave you? So I would say, and I want to preface this by a little bit about my life bef- just before this, was a full-time mom. I had an 18-month-old baby boy. I took the train into Boston almost an hour each way from where I lived in the suburbs. I was like a rat on a wheel. I had four bosses. I worked as an administrative assistant, and we had just bought this old house. So I was stretched to the limit. Mm -hmm. I used to say there was never enough of me to go around. And it was just like putting out one fire after another. And I never even really made the list. It was always about somebody else's needs, whether it was at work or at home. Yeah. And I wasn't having a lot of fun, but I (laughs) wouldn't know it. If you looked at me, I got the makeup on, I got the smile, I'm the professional. How's it going? Oh, yeah, it's great. Yeah. And yet it wasn't great. And so I should also let your listeners know my mom is a survivor of invasive of, of breast cancer and I was actually the same age as when my mother was diagnosed and we both ended up losing the same breast the right breast hmm. So I, I never thought it would happen to me. I know that sounds crazy, but I thought, I don't look a thing like her. You know, have yeah. you ever heard of genetics? I'm like, why didn't I put that one together? But I really didn't. And I was shocked. You know, I'm, I'm age 38 and they're calling me back for another and another film, right? Mm-hmm. They look on the radiation and I'm all I can think about is, oh my God, I got to make this train or I won't get my son at daycare by six o'clock. Could you hurry it up? I'm not even worried that something's wrong with this film, right? Yeah. I'm just like, hello, I got places to be and this is not in the schedule. Yeah. And it was just, uh, because my mother had cancer, I'd had already three or four mammograms, you know, every year just because they caught, they wanted me to start going when I was mm-hmm. younger. And so... I, I still made it out the door, but they're like, you've got to schedule a needle biopsy. And I get on the train. I made the train. I ran all the way in heels, four blocks, and huffed and puffed my way onto a seat. And, and you still remember that. I do. And, yeah. And then I just broke down and cried. Oh. Because I thought, uh-oh. You know, I had time to process <laughs> what was going on. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought about my son, who was 18 months old. And my mom lost her mother when she was 18 months and doesn't remember her, didn't uh, remember her, didn't remember how much she loved her. And I thought, that's gonna, what if that happened? He wouldn't remember me. Mm-hmm. And I just went there, right? I didn't even know what the stage was or any of that feedback on, on the needle biopsy yet. Mm-hmm. So this was just a, a little cancer, it turned out to be. I had a lumpectomy and I went um, for a follow-up visit And uh, I had to go see a a radiation oncologist. And I already had it in my mind. Hey, they got it all. I don't need radiation. And so I meet with this lovely doctor who's a radiation oncologist. And she has me, well, let's just come in and do the exam. Oh, yes, I agree with you. I don't think you do need radiation. But I have a medical student here. Would you mind if I showed him how we do an exam, a breast exam? I'm like, okay, sure, I'm here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) And so she palpates my breast breast that was operated on, everything's fine. She moves to the right breast. And then she gets this puzzled look on her face and says, did anyone ever speak to you about the lump in your right breast? Oh, wow. And it was like, you know, time just is like, what? Yeah. And uh, she wants to schedule 
an appointment and I'm back up and say, look, everybody's feeling that she puts my hand to it. The medical student's hand is on it. We're all saying, yep, that's a lump. And uh, my surgeon uh, is like, oh, you again? I thought we were done with you. (laughs) So I'm back. And I wasn't happy because again, life was about my plans. There was actually a book out at the time called Breast Cancer. Let me check my schedule. <laughs> and that was written was, for you. It was written for me. <laughs> so yeah, I was like, I've got a high school reunion and I've got a family vacation and I got to get some work in there. And this cancer stuff was just getting in the way. Come mm. on, you know. And then again, I get that uh, surgery and I learned they didn't get it all. At the time they did this lumpectomy, they take the lymph nodes to see if it's gone in. So not only did they not get it all, but it's in my lymph nodes now. And my mother is a wonderful person, but she also is not great at handling bad news. And she was there with me at this appointment. And I had to go and tell her that I'm going to need a mastectomy. And here's a woman who's already gone through cancer and a mastectomy and has her own story in her head about mm-hmm. what this is. And she just breaks down and says, oh, Susan, you're too good a person to die. And I'm thinking, okay, how am I going to make her feel better? I can't right. even process this information, right? Because I'm not thinking I'm going to die. I've made it so far so good, right? And, the, and that cry I had on the train was just the initial reaction. I didn't go through every day like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I dealt with things. I wasn't loving it. <laughs> uh, she was wonderful at caring for me. Like if I came back from a surgery, she was just wonderful. But she couldn't handle the news. It was just too much. So note to self, I wasn't having her around for the next surgery that closely. (laughs) Yeah. So that surgery and being in the lymph nodes led to chemotherapy, led to my losing my hair at Christmas Eve, uh, led to um, having radiation at the same time I was having it, getting really sick, crying, and really on my knees. I did pull in some things to support myself. I did have some kind of a faith and a higher power Mm -hmm. that I would use a journal. It was really cool. The journal I picked out had a woman uh, crossing a stream. And on the side she was crossing from, it was dark. And over the stream was the land was all lit and there was a rainbow and sun coming out down. And I said, that's my journal. <laughs> yeah. What a, like, uh, a, visual, a visual affirmation or like a visual. Exactly. Kind of exactly. Journal. Yes. Yeah. So I used that to write down uh, medical decisions I'd have to make, feelings I had, affirmations I wanted. I'd done enough reading to get some handle on it. I've just never really had to apply it like this before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I joined um, a support group. Oh, good. If, if that was priceless for my um, help because I was with a, a group of women going through the same thing I was. We were all very young because we were in a, a center in Boston, Dana-Farber, and from the 20s to the 50s um, were women in this group, about, I'd say, maybe 10 to 12 of us. Wow. And we laughed. We had a morbid sense of humor. We could just, if any of our family were to listen to us laughing, what we were laughing at, it was just bizarre. Well, and that's the beauty of support groups. Yes. You can laugh about the things that you guys are going through together and that other people wouldn't understand. No, no. <laughs> so a good group. And during that time, this group also offered up uh, 
a social worker for couples going through cancer, right? Mm. So, you know, it's equally hard on the mate. And I want to give a shout out to my mate at the time. Yes, he left, but boy, did he stay for some rough stuff and took care of our son, took me to chemo. You know, people love to paint the bad guy here. Mm -hmm. You know, people are in trouble and they do what they have to do. And he actually did me the biggest favor of my life. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, no hard feelings there, believe me. That was uh, something where he said something in that session that I couldn't deal with at the time, but came back to be, oh, that's why we're having this conversation five months after treatment. Mm. So what was it? He said, I don't care if I ever have sex again. Wow. I was going through radiation and chemo at the t- same. I could not deal with hearing such a... A statement. I was like, oh, what? <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. well, look at the time, you know, <laughs> just to know. Yeah. You know, I, couldn't do, I couldn't deal with that while I was trying to get done with this, you know. But what did I do? I shelved it. I completely shelved it until um, I could just dance around it as long as I could and say, well, let's work on our marriage. And no, he, he didn't move past what he was saying. He knew. that He knew then that he was... Yeah, he was just kind of bide his time and do the best he could. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I believe anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like it. And, you know, I love that you can recognize that he's, you know, not the bad guy. Usually, and a lot of times in relationships, there isn't a bad guy, bad woman. There's just... You don't know it until you have a little hindsight, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Uh, I think that's what does it. And the wild thing about this one, Amber, is that I knew he had depression Mm. But I didn't put it together that my mom did. I grew up with uh, a woman who took great care of us, but was uh, you just didn't know who you were going to get from day to day. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't realize it until I found this awesome book. And I, I did see a therapist too. We went to a marriage oh, counselor, good. marriage okay. therapist, mm-hmm. and it became clear, yes, he has depression. Mm-hmm. And this book is called How You Can Survive When They're Depressed. And the author's name is Anne Sheffield. And she refers to people who are, I don't know if you want to say codependent, but are living mm-hmm. with people with depression yeah. as the fallout. I started to see, oh my God, I grew up like this. And I married it. Mm-hmm. I just put myself like a little puzzle piece into a new scene and a different puzzle. And that was so eye-opening to know what my part was in it was like I never had to do it again. I could see it. You, if you can't see it, if you're in the frame, right? Yeah. You're in that puzzle picture. You can't see it. You're in the frame. Exactly. You get out of the frame and you go, oh, yeah, look what I did there. See what yeah. I did there? Yeah. Yes. So you were in the frame and yeah. coming, coming out of your treatment, coming out of this hellacious year, approximately? Mm-hmm. Just about a year. Yeah. Okay. And so you couldn't probably look at the relationship as it really was, you know, until you said, till you stepped back. So did it really like, like you said, did it just come out of the blue that he said he wanted to separate? It felt like it. Right? Yeah. And if I had read the signs better, I would have seen he was unhappy, but I'm super focused on myself coming mm-hmm. out of cancer and I want this and I want that. And I had this level of now, where was I? Oh yeah, I get on the train and I go to work and I pick up my son and I just get back on the wheel, maybe a little happier, a little more inspired. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, 
it was life was not going to let me get away with not looking at what it just rattled my cage about. You know? <laughs> like all the parts <laughs> of your life. Yes. Not just your health, but your mental health, your, the relationship yeah. you were in. You yeah, can't escape pe- it. You, you can't. can't. <laughs> you can't. And other people have heard me say this, that I thought the universe was kicking my butt, but it was actually cleaning my house. Oh, I love that. Yeah, you yeah. don't know it at the time. So for mm-hmm. anybody who's going through a rough time right now, it's going to shake it into something you have to look at. If you go back and you want to put, you know, say, where was I? Life's going to give you something else to until you start to pay attention to what's going on. And it's, it's like being a detective. You're not going to know it all. It takes time. There's a lot of sorting out. And um, you give yourself the time to heal. Mm-hmm. You, you pick up a journal, you do some self-care, you go for walks and get that information, that valuable. That's my book uh, that I'm working on right mm-hmm. now. is called Pulling the Gems from Adversity. Yeah. And why do I call it that? Because there's gems and all that muck, all that bluff, mm-hmm. all the darkness are these shining gems of insight and wisdom. Mm-hmm. And they are there, but you're not going to get them until you shine the light of awareness on them, like going into the mine and putting on your headlamp and saying, oh, yeah, I had really low self-esteem. There it is right there. Yes. Oh, I, I accepted uh, disrespect. I had low expectations for my life. So I'm naming you all the ones I found. Mm-hmm. For somebody else, it could be completely different stuff. Right. And it comes back to awareness, which you've already mentioned. And it's interesting. I was just talking to somebody recently that I was praising for being so self-aware. It's like Mm -hmm. you're so self-aware and then it's so good because it's going to open up so much for you in your life. Self-awareness is so important. (laughs) It is. It is. And that's why I love being a life coach because that's the stuff we work on, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, definitely. I can ask questions. I can, you know, I don't have to go, oh, it looks like you had low self-esteem. I just say, tell me about your life, right? Uh And they hear themselves talking and they're going, whoa, what did I just say there? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, So it's wonderful work. And that is my greatest praise for my clients is you have awesome Mm self-awareness and that's going to serve you everywhere you go. Mm -hmm. Very, very true. Back to your husband. So he, he said he wanted to leave. Tell me a little bit about what happened after that then, because you had yeah. already gone through this big healing journey. Like you said, you thought. Or you so were just, I thought. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you thought that you had already gone through this big healing yeah. journey. So then what happened after he so, decided yeah, to leave? It's like the universe says, you're not you're done not yet. Done. <laughs> and he didn't leave right away. He just told oh. me he wanted to leave. Okay. So he was, uh, and, and the thing he said, I, to make it clear, because he, he did feel terrible about leaving mm-hmm. um, his son and and me, you know, and leaving it like that. He said, look, I will stay and be a dad, but I don't want to be a husband. And I knew I didn't want it. I knew it. I just said, you know, I didn't fight for my life to have this for my life. I I had that kind of clarity, at least to know that was not an option. If somebody handed you back your life, you're not going to go, oh, yeah, I'll take, (laughs) I'll take a third class. (laughs) So that's a a gift that cancer did give you. Yes, it did. I I say it cleared, you know, I said it cleaned my house, but it's like clearing a, a platform. And then you have this, with the awareness, you have an elevated platform on which to build a new mm-hmm. yeah and if you if you take the journey if you're willing to look at that stuff uh, and then use what you know 
and trust that you're going to have what you need as you keep going. You don't have to see all the steps needed. So here I am with this information. Mm -hmm. I still have a mastectomy. I still have to get a reconstructive surgery. And he's around and um, he was going to take me in. I had like a 6 a.m. Uh, reconstructive. And this one is super serious. It's like, mm-hmm. it's called a tram flap. And they take, it's, it worked out great for baby fat. The doctor actually grabbed my belly and said, I think we have enough to work with here. <laughs> and I, 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 I laughed to myself and said, oh, I knew that would come in handy someday, you know? <laughs> so, oh, so yeah. for belly fat. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, we, I think we have enough to work with here. And so, they tunnel it up and I call it my belly boob because, yeah, it's your own flesh and muscle oh. and fat. And they, I had a wonderful surgeon. It's a perfect match to the other side. I mean, it's still obviously that I'm, it's not the real deal. Yeah. But he did great with the shape, right? And it's oh, just, I'm, everyone, I, I love this brag I have. Every time I go for a mammogram, they always ask, oh, who did your work <laughs> on the other side? Oh, that's so, so wonderful. Yeah. It's just, I've heard of horror stories. They're right. totally opposite. So, yes, I'm blessed. Beautiful. I'm yeah. very blessed on that. But so he's supposed to take me in, but he doesn't love me anymore, right? And it turns out my mom was going to fly up and take care of me. Her plane is delayed. Um, she can't be with me. He's got to take our son to daycare and I just ended up calling my best friend and saying can I pick you up and will you be there so I drove myself to my own surgery I picked up my friend (laughs) and they valeted my car they got me ready and who's standing over me as they wheel me into surgery my best friend who's holding my hand and looking at me with love in her eyes and stroking, I had hair again, mm-hmm. stroking my hair and, and telling me how much she loved me, how, how it was going to be okay. And I thought, there again, how did the universe do all of that, move those little molecules to, to make this happen so that I had the right person? Because in that bedroom that morning, he did not even open his eyes. I don't think he knew what to do. And I just needed a hug, you know. Mm-hmm. I was afraid that I was. This was like a three-hour surgery or or longer, and then I was going to yeah. be in the hospital for four days. So um, I started to cry, and he woke up and came over and said, "Come here," and he gave me a big hug. And then I hopped in my car and picked up my friend. <laughs> you know, bizarre story, but yeah. everything worked out, mm-hmm. and. I just kind of watched it all unfold and did what I could do with what I knew to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the surgery was a success Very and then you came good. out and what happened with your marriage after that? Shortly. Oh, this is very good. I started doing vision boards, mm. uh, artwork, affirmations. I still, I'm looking up at the wall in my office because I still have this piece of art that I did that has the, where I live in a beautiful home in a friendly neighborhood. I travel. I found the love of my life. I have plenty of money to help myself and others. I have found my um, vocation through divine guidance. I live in the peace which passes all understanding. I got it all going on on this piece of paper. <laughs> and then I did all these um, vision boards that were talking about the same kind of things. Mm-hmm. And what wasn't like my vision board was my marriage. Mm-hmm. So within months, he found a place to live nearby so that he could still see his son, still 
help take care of and bring him. Mm -hmm. You know, we took turns with daycare and going to work and all that. But he wasn't, it was toxic in my house. I actually got another lump in my only remaining breast that turned out to be benign. But I'm like, oh, no, you don't. You know, right. I tied it to being in a dark, I still live with mm-hmm. this dark cloud. It just it was very stressful. Yeah. So doing that, I felt like was like rocket fuel to, to put myself in a new spin. I focused on these things. I knew what I wanted and this wasn't it. So it had to go. And I really think um, it saved my life. And I think I would have been. Sounds like it. Yeah. Yeah. So you ended up eventually getting an actual divorce and yes. moving on with your yes. life. And I, I ended up meeting a wonderful guy. And it's not my husband of today, but it was such a great um, way of showing me what love and respect look like and kindness. Um, I was at my friend's party. She married a, a Frenchman and there was a young guy there and he's like, giving me attention i'm like oh my gosh how old is this guy and and i asked my friend and she's uh susan i'm not going to tell you how old he is that man is quality material (laughs) good for uh, her she she is so (laughs) fun and and it turned out it was the best chance i took because he was so kind and good uh very handsome romantic and all that good stuff Mm -hmm. but it was the goodness of him and that I deserved goodness. And I started to see myself through his eyes, that I could love myself through someone who loved me at that time. Mm, yeah. And even though it didn't, it lasted three years, it was fabulous. I walked away with a real love of self that it wasn't that I thought I was perfect. I still had that eating disorder. I mean, mm-hmm. it wasn't like everything was just, pa- yeah. you know. But I was, I was like two years away from taking care of that eating disorder because I really wanted a good life. And I had a dream, Amber, that I think your listeners would get a kick out of that was telling me I had to fix this thing. I was on an exam table in this dream. And there was a doctor standing at like an x-ray screen with my a mammogram on it. And on the exam table, I'm in this robe, I'm eating this big sugary glazed donut. (laughs) And he points to the breast with the tumor on it. And then he points to the donut. That's in my dream. And I was like, got it, got it. Yeah. 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 Wow. Wow. What a wonderful dream. You have just. I do get awesome dreams. I was going to say, you've just been given all these not just little, just gifts. And it's yes. not that you're unique. I think we're all given no. gifts, but you're yes. able to see them. You're That's able it. to notice. Why do you think that you're able to notice these and, and re, you know, to just see them and make the most out of these little gifts? I think I spent so many years with my eyes closed, mm-hmm. not wanting to see that they were forced open and then I, I saw, wow, things aren't so bad. You know, I could see all the people coming to help me through cancer. I could see the wonderful women I was meeting. I said, wow, look at all the grace in all of this. It's really amazing. I wouldn't have picked this. You know, if you said, Susan, how would you like some personal growth and transformation <laughs> and the love of your life or whatever, you know? I'd say, yeah, sign me up. Oh, well, there's a little caveat here, Sue. You know? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. First, <laughs> you yeah, have Let to. me show you how this is going to roll. <laughs> oh, never mind. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. Right. So if we're given oh, the choice, you. <laughs> right, we're going to always want to pick the easy route. Just I think that's, that's I how tried. we're 
and tried. I tried and tried. And here is this quote I found in a Facebook uh, thing today of all wonderful Facebook. You meet your destiny on the road you take to avoid it. Mm-hmm. And that was Carl Jung. And I love that. I love it because that's what I was doing. I was mm-hmm. trying not, I was dodging, you know, that walking on eggshells. That was me. It was like trying to dodge criticism, disapproval, uh, you know, anger. Yeah, I just wanted to like be okay, be okay. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, I wasn't okay. Uh, the person that I needed the love from, me, wasn't mm-hmm. there. I didn't think I was so great. Uh, yeah. I had all the signs that told me I wasn't. Yeah. So, so were you was, still feeling like that after this relationship ended? Because you said you were still dealing with the eating disorder. No, so you, that that was other patterns. Those were okay. habits. That is that is addiction is like a, a really horrible paradigm that you mm-hmm. just are in this do loop. Um, your body's in it. It's like you have body memory for what you want. Like I would go weeks on a great you know regime diet mm-hmm. whatever, and then out of nowhere. It would be a really low mood or a really high mood. And I I came to learn that we have what's like a thermostatic setting. And we have a response at the low end and even the high end. We can only take so much good. And then we don't know what to do with ourselves. And what is that about hitting bottom and you bounce back up again? Mm -hmm. And so this for me was still happening. These were my reflexes, but I was done with them. I had done so much work in my life that I knew this had to go. Mm -hmm. And I met someone who was awesome. And I worked with emotional freedom technique. You've heard of tapping? Yes. Yeah. So tapping. Yeah. Three months of tapping and doing a raw food diet, not completely raw food. Mm-hmm. I had some cooked food, but largely raw food and very little sugar. Mm-hmm. And at first, you know, I, obviously it wasn't like I was perfect for all 12 weeks. But after those 12 weeks, I never binged again. That doesn't mean I never ate sugar again, mm-hmm. right? I never had that insane gut rot and, mm-hmm. and food hangover the next morning. All of that stuff yeah. was uh, just an awful feeling physically and emotionally mm-hmm. and, and mentally cloudy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wonderful. Oh, I love that you mentioned tapping. I'm a huge fan. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So now after all this you've gone through and you've done all this healing and now you're healing your physical body too, which is like you said, all attached to the mental, spiritual, everything. So I had already asked, you know, how were you able to see these things, but how, after all that, are you able to find positive out of cancer and divorce and even your eating disorder? I know it was the delivery system to awareness. Mm-hmm. It's a delivery system. It's not just a kick in the butt. Yeah. And, and you have to, you and I, and you said it too. It's like, it's a choice. And, and you have to be a little brave about it, you know, yeah. but sometimes we don't have a choice but to look. Um, yeah. Because going back's not an option. Right? Yes. Sometimes the life that got blown up isn't there anymore. Mm-hmm. And, you, and, and we can try to recreate it, but what ends up happening? You've seen it with friends and family. What do they do? They end up marrying the same kind of person, Yeah. Uh, same, have the same financial troubles. You know, there's certain things that continue to visit us until we look at them and, and own our part in them. And how do we do that? 
with loads of compassion. Mm-hmm. I never beat myself up about, oh, look at you. Look how, well, look what kind of treatment you accepted, you know, and, you know, yeah. you know, give your, you know, it was like, oh, you poor thing. Mm-hmm. You were so, mm-hmm. you just didn't see that and you deserve so much more. And so, yeah, coming at it from, yeah, you're, you're a little bit distant when you want to look at it like you're a de- like a detective. But when it comes to who you were in those situations, you pour on the love and the compassion. Take the time. Treat yourself like you would treat your best friend, that best friend that was there with you going into surgery. You would never treat her. Or speak to her that way, right? Yeah. The horrible things we say to each other, say to ourselves sometimes, Uh the the criticism and the denigration that we'd never do to a loved one, a child, a friend, Mm -hmm. any of that. So that's your screener right there. If you know you wouldn't do that to a friend, you know not to do it to yourself. Yeah, exactly. And so you said that you are in a healthy, happy relationship now. Yeah. Good. Congratulations. For 10 years now. Yeah, he's just the best. And I still grow, you know, and Mm -hmm. I think that's the one thing we want to go for is is you want that growth. You want to have those difficult conversations sometimes that get you to the next level. And Mm -hmm. we've certainly had to have them. But the core values were the same. What's important to us is the same. Yeah. And the respect and love we have for each other, it only grows. We just have more fun, more more kindness even. It's just like we allow for dumb stuff to happen. <laughs> Don't make a big deal out of dumb stuff. Yeah. Yes. And going back again to being able to turn things around to be more positive, you may not have this sort of relationship with him had you not already experienced the opposite, right? So there were, yes. You learned a lot. A, yes. There were um, moments where I could see that old Susan mm-hmm. wanting to react in an old way. Yeah. And without that awareness, it would have just let her rip, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Love it. Okay. So you already mentioned this. I want to um, talk a little bit more about it. You're now a life coach and you help other women who are emerging from life altering adversities themselves. How There's does some it great f- stories out there? I'll tell you. There, uh, yeah. there are amazing people. Yes, I'm, I serve women, um, but there are amazing people. And we tend to think, Amber, That these people are special. They've got something that you and I don't. Uh They know how to overcome adversity and we can't. There's something wrong with me, you know, that I can't. That must be nice. They have support. They have something. Mm -hmm. It's not that. We we make it other than us, then we can't get there. We have to say, yes, me too. I can do this too. I have the same life breathing me. Mm-hmm. Right, making my hair grow, making my fingernails grow, all of that's just happening in us. And that person that did the same wonderful thing um, overcame. It's a privilege to hear my clients' stories because uh, you know sometimes it makes mine look like, gosh, I, well, I shouldn't be complaining at all. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> you know, but yeah. Um, yeah, it's, I cry sometimes. It's good that I'm on the phone with them, really, mm-hmm. because sometimes tears are just rolling down my face because I'm so proud of them. I'm mm-hmm. proud of their, their awareness. I'm amazed by them. And then hearing their growth, hearing them taking new steps, the wisdom. I, I write down and quote them. You know, I have a notebook, and I'm just mm-hmm. like, I got to hold on a stick, you know. <laughs> I write that down. 
that is just what it is. We are a wealth of information among ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that's why sharing it with each other. And, and I want to back up and say, yeah. you know what? I did mention I saw a therapist. Mm-hmm. That was gold. And, and that is a great first step in unpacking adversity. It's not run out and get a life coach. It's sometimes mm-hmm. you'll know when you're ready for that. When mm-hmm. you know there's more, I'm ready, I, got, I need the toolbox, um, we're going to take what I've learned and really build with it. Yeah, That's a life coach. But there are some things you have to sort out. And I, I had to do that with living with depression, uh, low self-esteem. You know, there were things I had to see, okay, this wasn't my fault. I used to think everything was my fault, this eggshell mm-hmm. thing, right? Yeah. And I couldn't have gone into a life coach and, and gotten better results at that point. I, I know I couldn't have. I was ready when I became one, and I had to take the training. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I love this toolbox. It, it is uh very concise it gives it's not like you you walk away and you're this you know perfect expert on your life but you've got things to work with the awareness systems the um, overcoming fear of failure Mm -hmm. um, creating a vision for your life some people don't know where to go with that right really listening how do you listen to that and make something of it that you're going to come up with goals that you're going to take steps towards Mm -hmm. yeah i mean there are just so many people many probably even listening to this podcast that we're just kind of letting our lives be ran by the tides, you know, like just floating along, bobbing along and just wherever the tide takes me. And I think it's really important to create a vision for yourself. Very much on a vision board, but (laughs) no. And and you said something wonderful there because um, the way we refer to it is you live your life either by design or default. Mm. If you wake up without anything, any idea of where you're headed, you're leaving it up to circumstance. But you and I create our circumstances through our thinking, our habits, and our beliefs. And Mm -hmm. so getting clear on what that is and how you're going to put them in your day. Just start with the day. Yeah, one day at a time. Yeah, So uh, speaking of adversity, this last 16 or so Mm. months has been hugely universal (laughs) (laughs) yes universal (laughs) adversity what are some of your top recommendations for people that are just coming out of yes i mean so everybody listening and beyond (laughs) the first part is to really go back to your breath and if you're in the middle of an adversity that's especially important because our what happens our heart rate elevates you know and Mm -hmm. and our we get the monkey mind so it's the whole idea of connecting with the breath again and then getting in touch with nature getting uh grounding yourself there is i hope most of you listening can get to one beautiful place even if it's in your backyard you know that um having a pet i'm talking about things that remind you that some things haven't changed you're still breathing you're still loved you're loved by the universe. Even if you don't have a lot of people around you, there is a divine breathing you, making you wake up every morning, your eyes open, not everybody's did. Yeah. And then having things that you love that are still around you and coming up with what you 
with love in your life, even if it looks like it's a thousand miles away, which I had to do during this time too. I love mm-hmm. to travel. Nobody was traveling very much no. over this last few months. <laughs> but I still kept a vision for my life that didn't have to look like the circumstance. We can look at the facts of our circumstance and say, I see you, but I don't need to identify with you. I'm in here, and this is what I love. I love fun. I love camaraderie. I love uh, music, dancing. There are things that we know we can still pull upon. One of the things I have my clients do is come up with a menu of things that raise their vibration. That they, you know, when you're starting to think, you don't think a lot about what those things would be. Mm-hmm. You're kind of like, I don't feel like doing anything. Right? Yep. It's, this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's Netflix, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> and, and that's not always bad. Just watch what you're picking because you are right? creating, you know, your subconscious mind is saying, it's for, on record all the time, even mm-hmm. when you're sleeping. So this is with that in mind and that we can pick out something simple. I could take a bath. I could take a shower. I could p- throw the stick from my dog. Mm -hmm. Listen to music. Um, Just keep a menu that you can, when you see yourself slipping, and that's, this is just the day-to-day things we can do. You can still work on a goal from wherever you are. It's not like you write off your life for 16 months, 18 months. Yeah. That doesn't need to happen. But we need, again, the clarity around that and and notice, is that just my default? What would it look like if I were to design my life? Wonderful. And you mentioned earlier that you do have a, a book coming out. Yes, yes. And, it, and I, I say coming out, with, yeah. you know, I'm in the second round of edits. Okay. I never knew how long. You know, everybody's like, oh, I wrote my book in six months. And now this is my first book. So, but I love it. It's um, five sections. It's called Uh Pulling the Gems from Adversity. Mm -hmm. And we start with holding firm in a storm. What do you do when you're in the middle of an adversity? You know, how, what are the tools I can have at hand to support myself? Mm -hmm. And then the second is called A Kind Glance Backward. I really wanted to call it What the Hell Just Happened. (laughs) But that's the second section. Kind glance, I like that. Yeah. So it's that you have to let some time go by. Not every, some things could pop up, you know, sooner or later. Mm -hmm. But yeah, give yourself some healing time and then come to this part. The third is creating your life anew. And that's where I get into the tools and, and steps to create a vision. And then what will you do to work towards that vision, to be that person in that vision? And the fourth is called not everything can come with you. Because if you're still holding on to resentment, low self-esteem, low expectations, there's very little in your vision that's going to really activate with those kind of dark energies around them. Yes, very important. And then my final chapter is just called Advance Boldly. Okay, you got this far. You got your vision. You're taking little steps. Let's go for it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I think a lot of people get lost on that piece. You go through these steps and then you get lost on, well, now it's time to be bold. Yes, Yes. and and we we denigrate the little steps we do Mm -hmm. instead of celebrate them. So we think we're not doing enough. But if you're taking daily action of any kind, I want to hear you celebrate and go, look, I made that phone call. Look, I wrote that email. You know, I, I delivered this. I wrote my first chapter. I wrote my first sentence. I, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't care how small you have to make it. If you do it consistently and celebrate it, 
and hold your vision in mind. Yes, sometimes that's what happens. That little sparkly vision, it kind of drifts away from us and we get lost in our everyday again. Yeah, that's so true. We want to keep that nice and shiny in front of us or in our heart. It doesn't happen every day, but you can, if you don't let too much time get by, you can get it back. Yeah. And hey, can I add? Yeah. Hire a life coach. We're going to help you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course. And so that book is Pulling the Gems from Adversity. You're on the second edit, you said, a round of edits? Yes. So okay. after this, I've got a reader, a couple of readers, and then okay. it's going to Balboa Press. And hallelujah, you will see fireworks going off in Lincoln, Rhode Island. <laughs> I guess I have learned so much writing this book. Talk about an adventure in uh, self-knowledge and self-awareness and, and just learning something new. You know, mm-hmm. writing a book is not like writing a blog. Guess what? <laughs> right. So, and there's, you know, like you said before, you continue to grow. This is yes. another step in it your really has process. Been, yes, it really has yeah. been. I'm very, um, I'm proud of myself. Yeah. You should be. Yeah. I'm proud of you. And I just met you. So <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so hopefully it'll be released this year then. In 2021. Yeah. It, yeah. yeah. I'm learning more and more about, you know, once it gets to the publisher, what they need from me, mm-hmm. but I'm going to have it as ready to go as I can. It's, it's, I'm, I'm in the fourth out of the fifth section right now on the second round of edits. So it's like a 70,000 word book because I don't know how many pages that is in book size yet. Uh-huh. But yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a kind of book you could keep on your bedside table or maybe a hand one to a friend. It's just a nice little way of getting that idea around, hey, no one gets through this life. I always say, you know, we didn't come here to sit on the couch and watch TV. Something's going to happen to you, me. Nobody gets out of here without yeah. something hitting the fan, okay? Uh-huh. Yes, <laughs> so part of get life. Get the tools. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So before we say goodbye, is there anything else you'd like to add? Any extra words of wisdom? You've, pra- you've packed a whole bunch in here. So if, oh, if good, the answer good. is no, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I want to s- just say... Nothing ever really changed for me until I put myself first. I thought that was so selfish. I I really thought it was my job to hold the world together while I was falling apart. Mm -hmm. And nothing really changes until you put yourself right there. And, And I use the analogy of a car. You put yourself in the driver's seat. You don't let your life drive you around you drive your life and you will see great changes and you will fall in love with yourself when you start to do that. Like you have Susan. Yeah. Yeah. You are leading by example. Thank you so much for all this wealth of knowledge and wisdom. It was awesome. Thank you. (laughs) Take care. Thank you. you. You enjoyed that as much as I did. Our stories may be different, but we all have one thing in common. We're all trying to figure out how to navigate life on this planet, and none of us have it completely figured out. No matter what you're going through in your life, just know that you are never really alone. Come back every Wednesday for more inspiration and connection, and follow me on Instagram at thedragonflymama.com so we can stay in touch between episodes. Take care. Thank you.